Hello and welcome back to another edition of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. We are back with another episode. This is episode 10. We are going to speak with the general manager from Hatch Wines from the Okanagan. His name is Grayson. As most of my regular listeners know, I record most of my interviews with my guests over Skype or FaceTime. So sometimes the Wi-Fi connection with my guests isn't the greatest, and that's the case with this episode. The echoes are a bit noticeable. However, the content and the quality of our of our chat is so good that I wanted to leave it in there. I apologize that the quality isn't the greatest, but the content is so good. I do hope you enjoy it, but do let me know either way because I do appreciate feedback as well. Friends of the Vine Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. Thanks. The Hatch Wines is a, a very unique, very eclectic and eccentric type winery that uh, is located up in the Okanagan. And even just going to their website, you can see the eccentricity, the uniqueness on how they approach their labels and how they approach how they make wine and the stories that are behind the different labels. They are a winery that uses a lot of different vineyards for their labels. They're all single vineyards. They add a uniqueness to each and every one of their labels. There's a story behind every one of them. It kind of changes from time to time and changes on depend who you who you deal with. But just to get a flavor, you really need to do go, you really need to go in person. If you can't get up there, I highly recommend checking out their website at hashwines.com. Even their logo is very unique and the story of how they got their name is very unique. Very cool guy, very cool group up there. And they do things right. They they treat their customers well. They treat their staff well. And it's it's like a big family up there. And it really doesn't depend who you deal with up there. You'll get that that great sense of family that they that they have up there, and they they bring you into their fold very quickly. And uh, I felt part of felt part of their group uh, almost immediately upon my meeting them for the first time. So great group, and we actually hadn't chatted in a while. So this episode starts with us uh, chatting because uh, they just went to pick some some harvest. So we just started talking about uh, the night before. Let's get right into it. Yeah, it's been a while. How was uh, how was harvest yesterday? Uh, we got the uh, exact amount of fruit that we needed to get, so good. I guess can't really ask for anything more. What what were you picking? Um, all kinds of mutant grape varieties that live up at the haunted mansion that is First Estate. Like I can't really specifically tell you if anything is actually what we we think it is. <laughs> It's, it's definitely some Foch and some Gamay, but other than that, it kind of went wild and rampant for long enough that I believe cross-pollination and uh, just a genetic mutation is, is, is a thing. I, I laugh because when Katie and I were chatting about some of your wines and she says, they never like to say what's in the bottle. <laughs> There's, well, we're, we're, we're as honest as we can be uh, uh, to a degree. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Some some people live by that label, right? They want to know what grape what grape is in there, and and it's like if you yeah. like it, you like it. What does it matter what grape yeah. it is, right? Yeah, totally. And like, does it really matter if it's forty seven percent merlot or or fifty percent merlot? Like, does it make the world of a difference on whether you like the wine or not? 
Yeah, and and that's that's for me where a lot of you know a lot of wines where people say, oh no, I don't like Chardonnay or I don't like this or I don't like that. But then if you put yeah. it in front of them, well, guess what? This winemaker might make it the way you like it, and guess what? It's not as buttery as you remember or whatever, whatever you know. And yeah, and that's uh, I actually like on the whole shard subject. Last night we had like a little staff outing powwow, and I was like ended up in a pretty intensive conversation about like neutral oak and how as soon as anybody hears oak they just associate it with like the biggest sluttiest most decadent chardonnay even though like oak can just be texture and texture doesn't have to be the whole butter side of things but there's yeah everyone's got the, the connotation that they just like attach to a thing and then there's no wavering on it so everything's made of concrete now if you say oak and people want stainless steel or, or this or that now there's almost that tag like how how trends go now there's almost that tag where you say oak like you said people all automatically get their yeah. back up because now sure. they want stainless steel or whatever you know what i mean there's there's yeah. those trends right and if you're not in that trend they 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 like you said they get their back up in our situation here at the hatch like the whole oak especially in chardonnay thing is like so polarized because like we we're obsessed with chardonnay right like we make nine different shards and eight out of the nine of them are defined by different oak programs and oak treatments. Yeah, so for you, it's educating more than uh, than anything, really. Yeah, it's also I also like the battle. To be honest, it's it's fun to kind of try and be like, yeah, okay, well, you think you don't like it, but you're you're probably wrong, and let me show you why you're wrong. Yeah, here, just drink this. Just yeah, shut up for a second and drink this. Yeah, or I just won't tell you what's in the glass, and I'll just wait until you decide that you've fallen in love, and then right. I'll shatter your dreams and tell you yeah. that Chardonnay that's, that's not VNA or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> for yourself how did you get into it uh, I mean you're from Ontario I believe originally right and then you moved out to BC I guess like on the whole I would be a bit of a wine brat like I grew up and my, my parents were in the wine industry like my mom ran wine festivals my stepdad's a winemaker so I kind of grew up around it like most normal young people I didn't want anything to do with what my parents did and then went to school for something completely different, hated it, and got a job at a winery and kind of fell in love with, uh, fell in love, because it was instilled in me for so long, and then it reminded me that the whole world of wine is this like, beautiful thing, and then there was no, there was no turning back, so it's been like essentially in close to 10 years now in the industry in like a dedicated capacity. Uh, it went to school for winemaking and viticulture, so I could have done the whole crush thing, but, uh, hospitality and sales side of things kind of sucked me in so I've just bopped around from winery to winery over the last like six or seven years in management capacity. I came out here on like a, a soul-searching adventure kind of to explore BC wine being as driven by cool climate fascination as I was and I, I, I came out here and came to the hatch on the day that it opened because Jesse, one of the founding partners that uh, the archdeacon was was his job title and <laughs> he was a friend but also um, I always kind of respected what he had done within the industry so I came out here on this vacation with my family and came to the hatch just like through serendipity and good circumstance or fortune on the day that they opened and it was this kind of rusted out laid back vibe and 
the wines were really good, but it was more of a experiential thing, just the, their mentality behind these these really serious wines that were presented in a in a less serious fashion. And then after this remarkable experience at at the Hatch, I bopped around the rest of the valley in all of its splendor. And uh, before I left was determined that I had to meet this like mythical enigma wrapped in a riddle wrapped in bacon apparently that was described as, as Jason Parks and I know I'm leaving the valley and after staring at the mountains and like the grandeur and the, the whole notion of perspective that it had like imparted on me went up to this cellar and it was this like definitely not the perfect, pristine, everything's polished, winery experience that you would expect from the caliber of the wines, and you went into this place and met all these guys who are covered in, in tattoos and seemed like guys that I, I, would, I would just like to, to drink beer with and talk to on the whole, and then they're like, all right, you want to go on the cell? You want to taste some barrels? And I'm like, absolutely, I want to taste some barrels. That's all I want to do, because for, for the most of the experience it was just like taste my whole time in the Okanagan it was great and I, I got these interactions with the people that are the characters of the Okanagan but it was all just kind of like tasting room experiences and they finally got to like peel back the the veneer or the or, or the curtain and taste through some barrels and I walk into this cellar and it's this strangely organized curlicue or catacomb of barrels that the guys were very upfront and like oh yeah the cellar is uh it's yeah we set this up for drums and acoustics for jason and it was just like this swirling maze of barrels and you walk through for forever and we tasted barrels along the way and then we got to the middle of this cellar and the guy's like, oh, this is where the best barrels are. Yeah, of course. Makes sense entirely. Why wouldn't you bury all the good juice in the most hard to uh, find or get to location? But then the barrel thief came out and we started tasting through these barrels. And again, it was this like aha moment that changed my world that we were tasting through Syrah, which is my like deathbed great variety or death death row like if i had to drink one thing forever forever it would be syrah and i'd be homeless in two days if i was allowed to drink the ones that i want to drink and the frequency and volume in which i wish to but not the case i tasted this fantastic uh hands estate vineyard syrah so a soyuz for for reference like this beautiful slope below oculus block and it was literally the best Canadian red wine I had had up until that moment, especially as far as Syrah goes. Like, I'd have good ones. Like, there are other people that can finesse and massage straight into all of the prolific beauty or animalistic intensity occasionally, but this was perfect. As far as perfect as I had had in... Canada, but definitely the whole um, change in perspective and seeing what the Okanagan had to offer, that was the moment that I was like, okay, well, I'll do anything. I'll work here right now. And 
they didn't have a job because they just opened this winery and it could have gone uh, either, either way. Fortunately, it went really well. And then 10 months later, I got the phone call that was like, hey, do you want a job? Do you want to be a part of this? And it was like, yeah, all I want to do is be a part of this. All I've wanted to do for the last almost years be a part of this. So I'll hop in the car, make the move and let's do this thing. And from there there's there's no looking back it's my at this point it's 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 the lifeblood other other than uh other than the the personal side of things as as, as far as industry goes there is nothing more important to me than the hatch and the lady that's it it's definitely a motley crew that you um organize out there that's for sure yeah, totally, and that, that's the beautiful thing about this place is it like allows it to be this like collective uh, renegade uh, or what have you team of these people. And like the, the beautiful thing about the hatch is the people find the hatch, the hatch didn't find the people. Like all of these people kind of just like came into my life and ended up fitting in as these like crucial puzzle pieces. Well, and, and that's the beauty of the hatch. Even my finding the hatch and, and on a personal note as a, as a fan, you know, the eccentricity and the the uniqueness of it right totally and it like i guess the collection of people is like the same thing as the collection of wines like everybody's different everybody has their own like nuances and like weird differentiating spirits that like that my favorite thing about this place is is the people as much as it is the wine and like the, the how integral the individual is to the experience because if you like if you came in seven days a week and tasted with seven different employees you would even if you tasted the same wines each time it would be a relatively different experience like the facts are the fact but your interpretation based on whoever you deal with would be entirely different based on the hatchling that you chatting with well, even even when I chatted with Katie, we we talked about how much the tasting experience defines your or any winery and how you that initial experience you go to some wineries and that initial experience really does define whether it turns you on or off to the winery and the wine. Yeah, yeah and that's uh, that's actually a funny funny thing to mention because there's so much like storytelling and lore behind the brands and like why the hatch is the hatch there's so many people that had one defining experience and it was like great but based on the stories that they were told they just want that every time and well that's not how this works it's about the fluid like movement and incubation of a whole bunch of ideas so whatever i talked to you about before uh, we don't necessarily need to talk about that again let me tell you something different like i know you want the whole black swift screaming frenzy adventure but let me tell you about some hobo wine comes back to this whole thing that everyone gets so stuck in what they think they want that let, let me share an experience yeah let me take you on a, a bunch of journeys right yeah and that's i i can assure you i say almost at least like at least once every experience is like just well let me take you on a ride that's that's what we're gonna do and when you have as many different wines as you do that's the beautiful thing about this place is it it, it, it can always be different so i never have to stagnate the hatch logo the uniqueness that is the hatch logo i know there's so many stories with you know with all the different single vineyards and and with the black swift for example and how did the logo come around the way it is who whose idea was it to start the 
to start the kind of eccentricities that is the hatch to have the different stories and the, and the characters that is the hatch you know what i mean as far as branding goes as as, as much as everyone who is the hatch created these these things the 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 ideas and the concepts behind who and what most of the brands are at the hatch wouldn't exist without the without the artwork of, of Paul Morstad and I met Paul through like super serendipitous incredibly fortuitous circumstance that the guys were were kind of seeking the visual component and uh, of, of what could be the face or the various faces of the hatch in regards to a whole bunch of different brands because at the end of the day the whole the whole idea is born out of being this revolving door of different brand style and expression all with a regional focus usually this kind of idea would be home to a bunch of different producers but these guys decided to focus on it as one sole creator and curator of these wines from across the Okanagan and various faces of the Okanagan because it's so diverse from north to south that it is this like uh, spinning head with nine million different masks on it depending on who's producing it or the vintage or the vineyard site. Paul Morstad came along and Paul's portfolio was was remarkable like the the imagination that this man has and like the, the beautiful thing about Paul is his, his imagination is so vivid and so uh, wild and the different incarnations of itself based on the fact that he just pumps out whatever comes into his head because he has to get it out of his head so that he can create something new. But essentially the whole Black Swift and Screaming Frenzy idea came about and it's all, all driven by the love affair with this bird that is the black swift being a bird native to British Columbia and it lays only a single egg which is symbiotic of the whole single vineyard winemaking philosophy like the vineyards hatch an individual bottle baby the black swift hatches a single egg so it made a lot a lot of sense with the winemaking ideology as a standalone as a young company black swift are high-end wines built for cellaring and progression over time so you can't solely be black swift at the outset it's a beautiful idea but to only be black swift would be like hey welcome buy our wines just trust us they'll be great in five years and we'll take your money now but these are things that you should sit on and that solely that doesn't work and then screaming frenzy was created because a screaming frenzy is a flock of black swifts and by that point, these two ideas had, had, had been created, but there was no, not necessarily no visual, there were some ideas attached to it, then Paul's portfolio got slid into the mix, and the first piece of artwork that was ever seen was this painting called Esquimax Curlew, parentheses, J.J. Autobahn, and J.J. Autobahn is a very famous revered ornithologist or studier of birds and this image was this character in like relatively fancy garb but his head was just a nest with this single leg and this whole single egg single vineyard thing and like the nest being this thing that's kind of built of, of scraps is in like slight disarray or or chaos and that's like the beauty of the hatches it's, it's like 
idea of chaos, but everything is also focused to the point that it's single vineyards, single wines, single egg. So you really can't make shit up that's that, like, you can't make stuff up that ties that well together. Single egg, single vineyard, single wine, but also just a little bit of chaos and, and edge. And being like, that's one of the first pieces of artwork that was ever seen. You can't make that stuff up and you can't go wrong. And at that point, the pursuit of, of Paul's artwork was just too good to be true and the relationship had to be. And then, yeah, after meeting with Paul, the revelation that one of the major like epiphany moments or defining reasons that Paul was even an artist is that unbeknownst to him, same vineyard site as is the hatch was where he had a, a bit of a, a car crash that car crash that born had had birthed him into following his artistic inclinations and like we didn't know that and Paul didn't know that but in a sense he was hatched out of the hatch and the hatch was hatched out of out Paul and when life hands you those kind of circumstance like even though Paul's artwork is incredible, at that point, with that kind of story, even if he were to have presented a stick man and be like, this is a great idea, I'm sure everyone would have been like, yeah, you can't make this shit up. Let's run with it. Uh, that's cool. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. I, I hadn't picked up on the fact when I was there that it was all single vineyards. So, And with each label as well being a single vineyard, right? Yeah. I think I read it was 17, is there 17 different uh, vineyards? Right now, well that's, the trick is it's it's ever in flux uh, based on um, our relationships with the growers, like, uh, and by in flux I mean never in the negative sense, it's, it's always kind of growing because being as invested as we are and kind of sourcing really good vineyards and really good relationships with the growers and it is that beautiful notion of like nobody's just a grape grower they're wine growers like these these guys aren't just growing fruit they're they're growing wines and the wines are born out of whatever place they're born in uh but there's 20 there's 24 vineyards on the map currently but it's in flux always as, as as we work with with new partners or partners that have uh, been unavailable for a bit and then come kind of back into the to the fold and uh, essentially there's only one vineyard that we've lost and it's it's like a bit of a the heartbreaking situation with Pinecrest which was this old vines block of Chardonnay in Glen Rosa or like just outside or on the periphery of, of West Bank in, in Kelowna that was planted in 74. So old vine shard, but has unfortunately been at this point ripped out and, and replanted or, or repurposed. That's the only one that's gone by the like extinct wayside. And it, it has made two of, uh, I think, the most prolific Chardonnays out of our obsessive nine expression Chardonnay portfolio. My palette's definitely defined by cool climate, like, because I'm a, I'm a cool climate baby, right? Like, a, 
spent forever drinking Ontario wines because I was in that industry. That was my focus. And then I moved out here and it's a little bit warmer. So I got the luxury of diving into all the bigger, like juicier reds, but everything is still cool. Plant. So basically anytime, anytime I want to taste or try anything, I almost always try and seek out cool, plant. new world, old world, irrelevant, I just cool climate. Cause that's what, that's what fascinates me about Canadian wine is like the, adversity that you get from from cool climate but also the ability given the right vintage that sometimes you can just like totally defy what your stylistic expectations would be i'm finally at that time of year where i can actually like pull back and start tasting stuff again i've been living in the little black hole of, of the summer season of hatch so i haven't got to taste the whole things a lot but uh lately because i've kind of been reveling in the like the nature being things being quiet now I'm like reminiscing about some of my first memories of flying in the Okanagan so I've been on like a hardcore blue mountain kick that view and tasting those wines in that space takes me back to a really nice warm cozy feeling of the Okanagan so I've basically been guzzling Mount Pinot Blanc. Are you more whites than reds or? Um, to be honest like I'm a I'm a big red guy but uh, my my far better half uh, Kelly is more on the white wine side so I, I inevitably end up drinking more white wines and the people at the like the staff at the hatch also digs into a lot of like aromatic and acid driven white so inevitably when we're sharing wine that seems to be the direction that we go in I think if I had my choice I would drink a lot more red wine than I do right now but as far as habit goes most of the whites yeah I've been trying I, I tell I've been telling people lately that this year I'm trying to get more whites I'm a red guy and I'm trying to get more whites and more Italian it was like two focus points for 2018 was more whites, more Italian. Um, yeah. Trying to focus, trying to focus this year on something a bit more, but I still like my reds though. So, in regards to cellar, uh, you're like your own. Uh, is mostly hatch, mostly um, hatch or lo- mostly yeah. BC? Mostly, definitely BC heavy. Mostly hatch and Perseus and like the various other entities that we make wine with or collaborate with is kind of the, the heavy base to my cellar but also as often as possible try and uh, reach back to Ontario and uh, get some wines sent my way to uh, those are fun wines to have to pull out every now and then with the staff so just like anything from Ontario especially Riesling like there was a time that I had a pretty good collection of various single vineyard Taz Rieslings that I was trying to hang on to for a while, but uh, inevitably there's a lot less of them now <laughs> than, than there was. The most defining moment for me on the whole would have been after making the call to, to move out here, we went on like a, a little vineyard training tour. And we went to Kansas State Vineyard, drinking the Syrah that comes from that in the vineyard, just like staring out at Washington on this like intensely sandy, steep slope that, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore, and I don't really know what I've got myself into, but whatever it is, I'm going to grab on. At that time, I wasn't even 100% sure that I would be here for the long, it was kind of like, come help, help out for the season, now, two and a half years later, everything that is kind of who, who I am and, and where I've come at, at this point, it all started in that one moment. I got to do this with some of my best friends at one of the coolest that I, I think you could be a part of. Obviously, I'm super biased. And that's those moments, like you said, that when you get those moments and you, and you stop and realize, it's almost like you need to realize you're in that moment to 
to fully grasp the significance sometimes you, you almost need to stop and go this is a cool moment right now you know yeah and it's uh that's the tricky thing once you get to a point of so much momentum is like there's a lot of those moments and without realizing it you kind of just burn through them and then you're at another one and you're like oh this was instigated by that thing that happened like three months ago and i didn't even acknowledge that moment retroactive perspective is like the it's it's one of the the most wonderful and saddening things because you're like oh shit well at least at least we have the ability to reflect and and recollect right and uh so, so we can totally always look back on something if we didn't have that ability then like you said you you would almost regret not being in that moment or re- re- realizing you're in the moment but then because we can reflect because on it, you then. can go back you can yeah. you might not have reveled in it while it was happening but yeah the ability to consciously go back and focus on it is equally rewarding as far as appreciation thank you for doing this by the way oh no problem man thanks very much to Grayson from the hatch for that interview I think we're going to leave it there for now thanks for listening for more wine conversation and podcast updates you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths check out our website for Great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a glass for me.